chapter number 11. I want you to find two places in the Bible. I want you to turn to Hebrews 11, but then also turn to Judges. We'll be in Judges 6, 7, and 8 this morning, Hebrews chapter 11. As you stand, somebody tell me what the Bible word for redeem means. Buy back, to buy back, to repurchase. The Bible says that we are ambassadors for Christ to reconcile the lost world to Christ, to get them back in that relationship. Stand, please, if you would. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. I'm going to begin reading in verse number 27. Please join me in verse number 28 and every other verse together until we close at verse 32. Hebrews 11, 27. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians assailing to do were drowned. By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. By faith the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she received the spies with peace. And what shall I say more? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah and of David also and of Samuel and of the prophets. Now I want to talk about that first man mentioned there in verse 32 of Gideon. So take your Bible back to Judges chapter 7. We're not going to read there responsibly this morning, but we'll stay in the book of Judges primarily. Last Sunday was not a typical Sunday morning message, being the July 4th holiday weekend. I felt a burden on my heart for our nation. That burden still is there. I had several people tell me this week, Preacher, how do we, you encouraged us to stand up. You encouraged us to speak up as Christians. How do we do that? What will that look like? And although this morning is not some practical step one, step two, step three, I've prayed about this much this week, and I thought the greatest way that we can stand is that, that we are holy people. And as we are holy people, and the lost world sees in us something that they desperately need, then they will come to us and they will ask. But I want to talk to you this morning I'm on, on the good fight of faith, the good fight of faith. Father, we ask for your blessings today. Thank you that you've brought us back together. There are those that we love that cannot be a part of this service, and yet they're very much a part of our heart. Thank you for bringing Brother Kevin through surgery. We pray you'd strengthen him. Thank you for being with Brother George. May your grace extend to him. We pray for Paul and Nancy Ehart. Father, as primarily bro, uh, Brother Paul, as he goes back to the doctor, but Nancy, you'd uh, put a hedge around her, keep her strong. We would hope to see these folks, Tom and Mary Chavis and others that are away from us. And Lord, I pray that you just bless them. But Father, we need your touch today. I ask you, Lord, help Satan not to get into this service. I know that uh, if Satan, when the seed is sown, will we'll take the seed and snatch it away that it won't bear fruit. And Father, you know my heart this morning. I'm burdened for our church. I'm burdened for our families. I'm burdened for our nation. And so I pray that no one here today would think that pastor purposely put them in his message. 
the message for all of us. And so speak to our heart this morning. I pray that you'd use me. And Lord, we ask that you would draw us to your purpose this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. In God's heart there's a place that I was made to fill. I find amazing grace when I found within His will. He's reserved a sacred place where we can spend the day and He's
Thank you, Rebecca. Brother Damien, can you do me a favor? Can you find a glass and get some water on the pulpit, please? I'd appreciate that. Take your Bible now, Hebrews chapter 11. Stay with me. I'll do my best to end about straight up the good fight of faith. Last week we looked at the condition of our nation and we were challenged in the Word of God to stand up and to speak out. I don't know what it did for you. I don't watch this network. But this week we saw a very vivid example about how we ought to do that. Don Lemon with CNN said Jesus wasn't perfect. That's heresy. If Jesus wasn't perfect, you're not saved. That means he was sinless. I mean sinful. That means we have no Savior. We have no hope in heaven. Does that bother you? I think every Christian, and I don't, uh, there's just me. You're going to know where I stand. I don't know why you'd watch a network anyway. But if you did or if you didn't, I think our voices should be heard to call CNN, write CNN, let them know we don't agree with what they said. Had Don Lemon said Muhammad wasn't perfect, he'd have lost his job in a minute. You see where we're at? But if we sit idly by and just say, okay, it was a bad thing, but he's not a saved man, he will impact and influence others. Gideon was one of the judges over Israel mentioned in Judges chapter 7. It was a period of time much like we see in America today. Israel was without a king and extremely evil. Israel had sinned and gone after false gods. Has America gone after false gods? Yes, we have. Israel too had sinned and gone after false gods. And one of those gods was a particularly evil god. It was a god of fertility and sexuality. And can you imagine this, ladies, those of you who God has allowed to or, or blessed your union with children, can you imagine that wicked God of Baal, the ladies would, Baal was a, thank you, Brother Damien, Baal was a, many images of Baal all across Israel and into the high places. But in the back of that iron structure of Baal was a, a cavity and they would put, they would put wood and coal and different things in there to heat up. And they tell us, historians tell us, that literally they would get that so hot that the arms of Baal would be red. And then the ladies would take their little babies and place it on those outreached arms of Baal in sacrifice to this wicked God. God's people had fallen into sin and God rose up a wicked nation called, and people called the Midianites. They were a fearsome people. They were pressing Israel on every side. It seemed that Israel didn't have a man to stand and fight who had the heart of God. But God found such a man. His name was Gideon. He's mentioned in, Hebrew, in Judges chapter 6, 7, and 8. He's mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11. 
The Bible says in 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of them whose heart is perfect towards him. I ask you this this morning. For whatever reason you've come to church, is it your desire for God to use you? Is it your desire for God to use you in this battle that we're in? Do you want God to use you? There's a great war being fought today on American soil. It's a battle over good and evil. It's an unseen war between light and darkness, between heaven and hell. And I would say this to you this morning, the stakes are high. Your children and my children, your grandchildren and my grandchildren are going to come up in a godless society or one where they can come still worship and serve God freely and openly. The stakes are high. Our enemy is saying, our enemy's not CNN. Our enemy is Satan. Satan knows his time is limited and he's fighting like a cornered animal because he sees the signs of the time. And I'm going to ask you this this morning. Will you be drawn into the battle? Will you? Do you feel and do you watch as a nation and a people where we are so close to a civil war? I'm not asking us to pick up arms. I'm not asking us to do anything physically. I'm saying there is a spiritual battle that's coming down on our nation. This war is being fought in front of our eyes. And God is looking for some foot soldiers. God is looking for some warriors that will say, Lord, count me in. I'm not much, but I'm going to stand. And I'm going to speak. Will you be drawn into the battle? What characteristics are necessary to fight this good fight of faith? Now, I'm going to show you something. I pray that we'll remember this not just this Sunday, but week after week. And if the Lord tarries is coming, month after month. Let's look to see what the Bible says. Not what Pastor Roger says. Let's look to see what the Bible says. Always remember this. The Bible is not about what God did say, but what God is saying. Would you repeat that with me? The Bible is not just about what God did say, but what God is saying. Is God speaking to us today through Hebrews 11 and Judges? He's saying something to us today. He did say something to Israel back then. He did say something to Gideon but he is saying something to us today. So a good rule of interpretation is this. What did it mean then? What does it mean now? And what does it mean to me personally? I'm going to try to help you to understand what it meant then. I'm going to try to apply what it means now. But it's all well and good if you and I walk out of these doors and we're not touched by the Spirit of God, we're not going to join the battle, and we're going to stay the same person that we came in, then this service today will be a waste. But what does it mean to you and what does it mean to me personally? Let's look at this, Judges 7, 1, then Jerubbabel who is Gideon, and all the people that were with him rose up early and pitched beside the well of Herod. So the host of the Midianites were on the north side of them by the hill of Morah in the valley. And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people that are with thee are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, Mine own hand hath saved me. 
Now therefore go to, proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whosoever is fearful and afraid, let him return and depart everyone from Mount Gilead. And there returned of the people twenty and two thousand, and there remained ten thousand. And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people are yet too many. Bring them down unto the water, and I will try them for thee there. And it shall be that of whom I say unto thee, This shall go with thee, the same shall go with thee. And of whomsoever I say unto thee, This shall not go with thee, the same shall not go. So he brought him down, the people, unto the water. And the Lord said unto Gideon, Everyone that lappeth of the water with his tongue as a dog lappeth, uh, him thou shalt set by himself. Likewise, every one that bows down upon his knees to drink. And the number of them that lapped, putting their hand to their mouth, were 300 men, but all the rest of the people bowed down upon their knees to drink water. And the Lord said unto Gideon, By the, the 300 men that lapped will I save you and deliver the Midianites into thy hand and let all the other people go every man to his own place. Preacher, how can I fight the good fight of faith? The Bible says... The first element is necessary is courage. It's going to take courage. What does that look like? God is saying here, I can't use cowards. Being a coward and being afraid will make you fit for failure and unfit for faith. As a child of God, I've got to live in one of two worlds, that of faith or that of fear. I cannot simultaneously live in both of those worlds, and I've got to choose and so if we're going to be one of those that God uses, we must be people of courage. I'm taking my Bible back to Deuteronomy chapter 20. Many of these verses Brother Joshua have up on the screen. Deuteronomy chapter 20. What is so, what is so problematic about the opposite of courage is fear. What is so bad about fear? I'm going to make this statement to you. One of the destructive things about fear is it's infectious. If somebody is fearful, they, they impact somebody else and causes them to be fearful. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 20 and look at verse number 8. And the officers shall speak further unto the people, and they, they shall say, What man is there that is fearful and faint-hearted? Let him go and return into his house, lest his brethren's heart faint as well as his heart. Remember when the spies went into Canaan? How many of them were there? Twelve? How many came back with an evil report? Ten. Ten came back with an evil report. They said, true it is, the grapes. Man, the grapes. Can you imagine this? The, my wife would love this. How many great people in here? You like grapes? Oh, boy. All right. Anyway, they had those grapes on the staves on their shoulder, and it would touch the ground. They said, it's true, it's a land flowing with milk and honey, and, and it's a precious land, but there's giants in the land, and we are like, what in their sight? Grasshoppers, they had grasshopper syndrome. You see, when your problems are large, your God is small. When your God is large, your problems are small. You can face cancer with God by your side. You can face a ruptured relationship with God by your side. What you need more than anything is to know that God is by your side. The spies went back and they said, we're like grasshoppers. I want Brother Josh to put something up on the screen. What is this? 
American. He's a sad-looking scarecrow. I think we got him from Hobby Lobby. I don't know. But anyway, you think about scarecrows. Where Somebody tell me, where do farmers put scarecrows? In the pasture? No. Do they put it in a parking lot? Have you ever seen a scarecrow in a parking lot? Why? You put a scarecrow where there's good fruit and good vegetables. Do you not? To scare the crows away. I'm going to say this to you this morning as I look at our nation, I look at our church. The devil put some scarecrows to scare you off because you are that close to the blessings of God. And so he put some scarecrows to scare you off because God's blessings and God's, God's wealth and God's honor is right there by you. But you can't grasp it because you're looking at Satan's scarecrows. Too many people are afraid of the devil's scarecrows. The devil won't scare you if you're walking in the Spirit. There's three types of fear that God will keep you from. And I want you to stay with me this morning. And I, I love you. And I didn't know if you were going to be here today or not. So this message, I never do this. I don't build a message because I know who's going to be there today. I promise you this. This message God gave, I believe, is needed for pastor in my own life and for each of us as a church family. What are some of those fears that we're afraid of? There are those in this room this morning, you are afraid of God. Not in a reverential way, not in a respectful way, but you are afraid of God. There are some that should walk these aisles this morning, and you should accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, but you're afraid of God. If I do that and I start that journey and I receive Christ as Savior, and I bow my knee before Him, then what? Then He's going to want me to be in church. Then He's going to want me to give. Then He may call me to ministry. Now watch this. There are people in this church, and some of you even saved, but you're afraid of God. You're afraid to take that next step that you know God's calling you to do. It may be to sign up for special music. It may be to, to, to make yourself available when there's an office open in this church. It may be when we're able to do that and start back up to knock on a door and tell somebody about Jesus. It may be to teach a Sunday school class. It might be to drive a bus. Whatever it might be, but you're afraid because if I give God something of my life, He's going to demand more. You have a warped view of God. I'm going to make this mention to you today. Everyone in the will of God, doing the purpose of God, likes it. You know where heaven on earth is to me today? Pueblo, Colorado. And I see what you see. I see because of our political leaders what they're bringing the influence into our city. I see it. I see what is happening, but right here is God's will for my life. And so I'm saying this to you. Some of you are afraid to ask what God's will is for your life because he might tell you, and then he might tell you you're going to have to obey or disobey. Preacher, that's pretty hard preaching. I think it's true. Remember, go with me in the Genesis chapter number 3. 
In Genesis 1 and 2, God created everything, and then he formed Adam out of the dust of the ground, and then he caused a deep sleep to, call, to fall upon Adam, and he took a rib out of, out of Adam's side, and he made woman and brought him unto the man. Now watch this, but then Genesis chapter 3 starts like this. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field. What happens in Genesis chapter 3? One of the primary chapters in all the Bible. Men fell. Men walked away from God. God a man decided I'm going to live for my own reason. He listened to Satan. God is searching out some people that are here today. It's no accident that you're here this morning. You felt the tug of God. You've got the witness of God. There's people all around you, whether there's family or friends or co-workers, wherever they might be. They've told you about Jesus. You've yet responded to him. Or think about this. You've responded and trusted him as Savior, but you know you're walking away from his will. And the only reason you are is you're afraid of God. What did Adam say when God came? He came to the garden. Adam! Adam! Where was Adam? Somebody tell me. Hiding. Why? Now say with me in your mind if you remember. When I saw that I was naked and ashamed, I was what? Afraid. Adam had never been afraid of God. You should not, when you know the God of the Bible, when you know the God that wants to save you, when you get to know Him, there's no reason to be afraid of Him. God loves you. Think about this. Some are afraid of God. Different types of, of fear, we see that. What about the parables of the talents? Remember the talents? One got ten talents, one got five, and one got one. Is that? I think that's right. The one with ten talents, what did he do? He invested, Brother Andrew. He invested. And he made ten more talents. Good for you. The one with five invested, and he ended up with ten. What did the one with one do? Somebody help me. He buried it. But then when the master came, what did he say? What did he say? Somebody help me. I know that thou art a hard man. I'm going to declare this before you today. The God, the Savior that I serve, the God that I love is not a hard man. He is a good God. He loves you. He sent his only son to the cross to die for you. The Bible says perfect love does what? Cast out fear. You have no reason to fear somebody who loves you with perfect love. Sweetheart, are you afraid of me? I'm glad about the boy. I'm glad you. <laughs> Hope she didn't lie in church. <laughs> huh? You have no reason to be afraid of somebody who loves you with perfect love. I would hope that sometime if somebody tried to hurt or injure my wife, I'd give my own life to try to protect hers because I do love her. This God that we serve is not a hard God, but somebody here and some here are afraid to follow Him because of the fear you have of God. There are some here today that God is putting His call upon your life, but you're not yet to respond. There's another fear of failure. I remember Brother Travis and Eva, that first stop in ministry there, Marywood's Baptist Church in Houghton, Louisiana, right off Highway 80. 
We went down after, before I graduated Bible college and candidated, and it was a unanimous call. I mean this honestly. I'm, I'm not lying to you. I told my wife, leave the boxes packed when they find out I can't teach, I can't preach, we're gone. I remember going that night down to my office Saturday night before Sunday and getting down on my face and saying, God, I can't do this. I, I've preached two messages, five-minute messages in seven years of Bible college. People scare me. And yet, God, you've called us. You too, when God puts his call upon your life, may be fearful of answering that call. The fear of failure. You sing. You could sing, but you won't because you don't think your voice is good enough. You could preach, but you won't. You could teach, but you won't. The Bible says, he that considereth the wind will not sow. The future, somebody said it this way, has two handles. One is fear and the other is faith. And if God's going to use you, you can't grab the handle of fear. You've got to grab the handle of faith. I'm going to say this to you. I hope I could stand before you after now some 22 years of pastoring this church. But each and every Sunday when I come to this pulpit, I'm fearful that I might not do everything that God wants me to do. But get in the pulpit, I have to. Child of God, here's what I'm saying. Our nation, our homes, our churches are going asunder and God's trying to put together a mighty army. And what does that fighting force look like? What does that, that good army, that good fight of faith look like? We have to have courage. Number two, we have to have commitment. Go back now to Judges chapter 7. Judges 7, we must be committed. I'm not trying to... Speak light of the young generation here. Young generation are living together before they get married. We don't like commitment. It's funny. They'll sign a 30-year mortgage with a bank that will sell that mortgage to another bank that will sell that mortgage to another bank that will sell that mortgage, bundle and sell them together. I have a problem with commitment. No, you don't. You'll sign a year's lease. We are living in a generation that won't commit themselves. What does that look like? Not only courage, but commitment. Look at chapter 7, verse 4. And the Lord said unto Gideon, the people are yet too many. Gideon was already outnumbered. With 32,000 men, he was already outnumbered. But watch this. Bring them down to the water, and I will try them. For thee there, and it shall be that of whom I say unto thee, this shall go with thee, the same shall go with thee. And whomsoever I say unto thee, this shall not go with thee, the same shall not go. So he brings 10,000 men down to the water. Now watch this. Some of the soldiers that had a sword in their back, they looked for the enemy, and they're lapping this water. They got one eye on the water, and they got one eye on the enemy. So that a moment's notice, if the enemy comes, they can pull out the sword. But 9,700 jumped in the water, got in the water, didn't look, and just was lapping. And God said, send them home. If God's going to use me, I must have courage. If God's going to use me, I must have commitment. Do you know that the Lord knows you need water? The Lord knows you need a drink. He's the one that said, come and drink freely. He knows you need recreation. He knows you need shelter. He knows you need fellowship. 
And for those of you young couple, he understands even the sexual nature of a relationship as he brings you together. That is ordained of God. But here's what happens when we get all of these needs of life out of kelter. And we look at just our needs. Somebody said it this way, the preaching of rights will garner rebellion. We got people marching in the street about their rights. The preaching of responsibilities will bring revival. What about that? What's that look like? You have all of these needs and God knows of them, but they can't come first. Nothing wrong with getting a drink. Nothing wrong with living life, but there's a battle going on and God's looking for some foot soldiers. If you're not committed enough to put Jesus first in your life and the battle of faith, you're going to be defeated. Just go on home. 1 Peter 5, 8, we're not going to, I think Brother Josh got it up here. Is this what, is this happening today? Be sober. Were those men that lapped with one eye and just lapping water, were they sober? Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. That's what's happening. The devil is devouring our nation. He's devouring our homes. He's devouring our churches. And God's people are asleep. Preacher, what about this? If you're not committed enough to put Jesus first, you can't be in the battle. The devil's out to harm your home. The devil's out to harm our church. The devil's out to harm our nation. Are we going to just sit idly by and watch as it happens? I want you to look at chapter 7, verse 9 through 15. Now God is going to get Gideon alone. And it came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, Arise, get thee down into the host, for I have delivered it into thy hand. But if thou fear to go down, go thou with Pura, the servant, go down to the host, and thou shalt hear what they say. And afterwards shall thine hands be strengthened to go down into the host. Then when he down with Pura, his servant, and the outside of the armed men that were in the host, and the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the children of the east lay along the valley like grasshoppers for multitude, and their camels were without number as the sand of the sea for the multitude. And when Gideon was come, behold, there was a man that told a dream. Now remember, God used to speak through dreams unto his fellow and said, Behold, I dreamed a dream. And lo, a cake of barley bread tumbled in the host of Midian and came unto a tent and smote it that it fell and overturned it that the tent lay alongside. How can a roll? Well, I've seen some newlywed cooking where a, a roll of barley bread would kill some soldiers. But how can? Really? Seriously? And God told Gideon, you're that loaf of bread. Can I illustrate this? Would you stay with me? I know. I know. Brother Patrick will get you theologically grounded tonight. and Brother Bliss will come back and teach you doctrinally. But I'm going to give you a little illustration. Are you ready? I'm going to show you a trick. This is a good jacket. Now watch this. This jacket is almost magical. Watch. I'm going to, I'm going to tell this jacket what to do, and it's going to do it. Stand up, jacket. Wave the Bible, jacket. Jacket, you're embarrassing me. You're not standing up. 
You're not waving the Bible. Huh? Stay with me. Stay with me. Go back to Judges 7. Now watch this. The Bible says, I want, matter of fact, I want you to go back to Judges 6. I never saw this before. Before I studied for this lesson, Judges 6, I want you to see something. Judges 6, look at verse number 34, would you please? But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew a trumpet, and Abazir was gathered after him. That word came upon means clothed. You see, this is all we are. We're nothing. We're lost and undone, and we need a Savior for sure. But once we get saved, we don't have any power. I can't save America. I can't build a church. I can't keep a marriage strong. I can't do any of it, and neither can you. Now watch. Jacket, stand up. Jacket, Wave the Bible. Let me tell you something this morning. God sure spoke to my heart about this as this message came to, upon me. God clothed Gideon with his spirit, which brought his power to bear. How did Samson do what he did? The spirit of God rested upon him. And hear me this morning. It's not the man. It's God in the man. If you knew the, all of the horrible things about Gordon Rogers. You wouldn't come to church here. I'm clay just like you are. I need God to use me. I want you to take your hymnal real quick. Oh, I should have done this. I should have done this. Karen, do you remember what page that's on? Turn your hymnal. Huh? Oh, you don't have a hymnal. Ah! I'm just going to quit. Brother Allen got me this morning. Now you got me. <laughs> Brother Josh, do we have those up? How are you going to stand, child of God? This morning when I came to church and asked God to work, this song came to mind. Can you sing it together? How many of you know the song? I'll try to lead you. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. Watch this. Melt me, mold me. I ask you this this morning. You're saved. You're on your way to heaven. Is the Spirit of God resting upon you? Do you want Him to fill you? Do you want Him to move you? I want to show you one last thing. Go back to chapter 7, verse 15 through 22. I apologize. Would you stay with me this morning? I want to finish this. Verse 15. And so... It, it was so when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and the interpretation thereof that he worshipped and returned into the host of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord hath delivered 
into your hand. The, hand, and the host of the Midians, he divided the 300 men into three companies and he put a, a, a trumpet in every man's hand with empty pitchers and lamps within the pitchers. And he said to them, look on me. Gideon's got some courage here, doesn't he? He signed up. He's got some courage. The Spirit of God clothed him and rested upon him. The Apostle Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. So it is with Gideon here. He understands he's that loaf. I want you to look at, we don't have time here. Brother Josh, did you put 2 Corinthians 10 up there? So we need courage. We need commitment. We need compliance. To fight the good fight of faith, we must have compliance. This is obedience. There must be the compliance of faith. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. We're in a battle in America today. We're in a battle. I've never seen Satan attack our church like he's attacking our church. I've never seen Satan reaching into the homes like he's reaching into the homes. I've never seen it before. And I'm powerless to do anything about it. But I've been on my face before God and said, God, would you intervene in these situations? I wonder if we're signed up. I wonder if we're ready. I want to show you something if you would. Let's turn to Psalm. Matter of fact, don't turn there. Look at that. We got to go up there. Look at the screen. Watch this. Have you ever noticed this? I've read this a million times. For promotion cometh not neither from the east nor from the west nor from the south. What direction's missing? Why? Why is north missing? Let me show you the next verse in Leviticus. And he shall kill it. Speaking of the sacrifice on the side of the altar northward before the Lord. And the priest Aaron's son shall sprinkle his blood round about the altar. Stay with me. The north side of the altar was the place of sacrifice. That's where the blood poured out. I think this is what the Lord is saying. I went out through the north gate of sacrifice. When I come back, I'm coming through the eastern gate of victory. I ask you this this morning. Have you ever done this since you've been saved? Young people, have you ever done this? Have you ever looked and just said Romans 12, 1 and 2, my my, you've saved me and you sent me to you're going to send you send me to heaven one day but I'm going to give you my life I'm going to lay my life down as a sacrifice before you I'm going to listen to your call fight the good fight of faith there must be one of conf confession look at verse 18 of chapter 7 one of confession when I blow with the trumpet, I and all these that are with me, then blow ye the trumpets also on every side of all the camp and say, and say, the sword of the Lord. Come to Rocky Mount Baptist Church. You'll hear a great preacher. No, you won't. Come to Rocky Mount Baptist Church and you meet great people. I love you and I think you're great people. But nobody should come to this church because you're a part of it. But if our message is this, Come see a man. I think, and I want people to come to church, and I want them to understand Jesus is pretty important to pastor. He's pretty important to this church. It's not about me. It's not about our church, but it is about him. Gideon is an earthen vessel made of clay. I've never seen this before. Stay with me, and I'll close. Imagine this. A trumpet 
in one hand or a sword in one hand and a pitcher turned upside down with a lit oil lamp in the other hand. What were they to do with the pitcher? Help me. You see, here's where we are today. God, use me. God, our nation's going away it shouldn't go. God, my marriage is falling apart. Our church is falling apart. Our relationship, God, what are you going to do? And God said, that clay pitcher, get in that shoe, and that's me. I want you to break it. I want you to smash it so that my light might shine. We are so gripped with what I need, what I want, what I deserve. And there's a God in heaven that's trying to mobilize the church to his purposes. And we got that light hidden in clay pitchers. Break the pitcher. Smash it. Humility. We stay in our churches heady, unbroken, unbent, unbowed. And there's something going on where God is trying to tell us, I want to use you. Husbands hardened towards their wives. Wives hardened towards their husbands. Children hardened against their parents. Brother against brother. Sister against brother. Is it any wonder God's not using us? Is it any wonder? I'm not mad at you this morning. I'm just saying it starts in the house of God where we're willing at an altar or we're willing where we're at to say, God, there's some things in my life that I've never bent my knee before you. I understand. I hear your voice, and I'm going to humble myself before you. The Spirit of God will not come upon you. It will not come upon me until I'm bowed and I'm bent and I'm humble. Before God, humble yourselves, therefore, into the mighty hand of God, that he may what? He may exalt you in due time. Stand, please, heads bowed, eyes closed. Father, help us this morning. I'm not mad or upset at anybody, but I see Satan doing his work. We're afraid of his scarecrows. There's some good that you want to do here on this corner. There's some good that you want to do in the homes, in this church. There's some good that you want to do in our nation. And yet we as your people are unbent. We are unbowed. We're full of pride. And I pray this morning that you through your spirit would do what we cannot do. I pray that you would smash that old clay pitcher around our heart. And you begin to plow up the hardness of our heart. And you'd call us back into a relationship with others. And back into a relationship with you. Father, move on our behalf this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.